Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm your host, John James, sports editor of the Red and Black. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by women's basketball reporter Bo Underwood and men's basketball reporter Samuel Hicks. First up, though, swim and dive reporter Michael Doty will join the show to recap the season thus far. Welcome to the show, Michael. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, coming into the season, Georgia had a tall task ahead. Head coach Jack Barrowley had just retired after 43 legendary seasons at the helm. He was replaced by Neil Varsfeld and Stephanie Williams Moreno. What were your first impressions of the two of them as head coaches? Well, for starters, there's really no true replacing Coach Bowerly. He was an icon at UGA at all sorts of levels, but um, there couldn't have been really better hires than um, Neil Versfeld and Stephanie Williams Moreno. Um, both of them swam at UGA um, in the early 2000s. Um, they've also been coaches under Bowerly for um, the past few years. For Versfeld, this is his fourth year with UGA. The previous three, he served as the associate head coach, um, and he had a lot of success with breaststrokers and distance swimmers, the distance swimmers on the men's side specifically, um, and he's got a good group of distance swimmers on the men's team right now, so we've seen that translate at the head coaching level. And for Stephanie Williams Moreno, she's actually been here 11 years with Georgia. Her first six were as the Bulldogs' assist- assistant coach, working primarily with middle distance and backstroke and the next four the last four years uh, she was the associate head coach as well Um, and she's already um, had great impressions on some of the younger Georgia swimmers like Dune Kowitsi, Abby McCullough, Ebony McCarty they all earned All-American honors as freshmen last year so the foundation is there uh, for both head coaches going forward but I would say for my first impressions um, they're doing really well. Um, UGA is still a deep and balanced group of swimmers. We got good sprinters, we got good distance swimmers, and good all-around swimmers. Um, so you can tell they've been around and they've had experience with these guys um, and girls, and it's translated well in the pool. About that roster, talented all around, was it composed of elite returning talent, or was it a bunch of eager newcomers who are making an impact? Definitely elite returning talent. Um, Georgia is one of the top destinations in the country when it comes to swimming, especially distance swimmers. Um, but on the women's side, uh, they did lose Dakota Luther and Gabby Fatamulisi um, last season. They were both uh, key contributors at NCAAs. Um, but there's still a really strong and young core, too. Zoe Hartman, probably the best female swimmer Georgia has. She's a senior, but... I did hear she's coming back for a fifth year next year, so she's not going anywhere. Um, And then Abby McCullough, um, Ebony McCarty, uh, who I've mentioned before, they're both both only sophomores right now. Um, Rachel Steege, um, she's a great distance swimmer. Jillian Barczyk, I mentioned Kowitsi as well. Um, and Callie Dickinson, I believe this is her, uh, her time at UGA is coming to an end, but she's been really good this season. As for freshmen coming in, um, there's one on the women's side that stood out to me personally, um, Olivia Delatori, um, probably another great up-and-coming swimmer in the IM, which is good because, like I said, Hartman is a senior, um, has one more year left, but Olivia Delatori will be a junior by the time she's gone, and she might be able to uh, take the reins. 
um, figuratively when she leaves. And on the men's side, um, they did lose uh, Matthew Sadies, which was big. He is the current uh, UGA record holder in the 500 freestyle. But there's still a really strong core of men's swimmers as well. And it starts with Luca Orlando. Um, Dallas Mavericks fans, you have Luca Doncic. We have Luca Orlando. Um, as well as D- Dylan Downing, uh, Zach Hills, Wesley Ng, Jake McGahee, Tommy Lee Canlong, Ian Grum, Bradley Dunham. These all were uh, contributors at SEC championships that happened this past week, except for Orlando. He is hurt. Um, and there's a couple of freshmen that has already made impacts on the men's side. Um, I'm going to butcher this name. Christian Pitchigan, I think that's how you say it. Um, he's already one of the top uh, 100 breaststrokers at UGA, um, as well as Sam Powell, um, a very strong backstroker. He has B-cut times in both backstroke events and the 500 free, as well as Ramon, uh, Roman Valdez, who has a B-cut time in the 200 freestyle. And what I mean by B-cut, there's different cups. Uh, to qualify for NCAAs. An A-cut is an automatic bid to um, the NCAA championships. So if um, that's a certain time, if you get it, you're automatically in. Um, and then the rest of the times for events, because uh, I think they could only take 32 swimmers at NCAAs, they're filled with the B-cut times. So B-cut is still really good, but it's not an automatic bid. So if you're B-cutting as a freshman, that's really impressive. So bright present and future for both teams. Speaking of those SEC championships, they just concluded Georgia placed fifth in the men's side and sixth on the women's side. If I'd told you those results at the start of the season, what would your reaction have been? Honestly, not very shocking. Georgia is kind of like an upper-tier team in the SEC. The SEC is a really strong conference in swimming, um, along with the big impact 12. Um, but... Uh, they're certainly not the best, um, and swimming is a sport where not a lot of upsets happen um, because um, it's kind of like track. It's that rigid factor you have when you're racing yourself and your team, so it's hard for someone to go a full second faster in any given event to, um, unless you're like uh, tapering and you got a tech suit on. But um, during the season, um, usually um, – if a team is favor, like 99.9% chance they're going to win. Um, and Florida and Tennessee, uh, they were really, really good this season, both the uh, top 10 teams in the country. Florida dominated at SEC championships, um, and Tennessee did really good on both sides as well. On the men's side, Auburn and A&M were both ranked ahead of Georgia, so it's not really too much of a shocker there either. Texas A&M also had house money playing as the host, um, so they had a feel for their own pool. And on the women's sides, uh, Kentucky and Alabama are also really good. They are ranked ahead of Georgia in the standings as well. But there were a little bit of surprises at SECs on the women's side. Georgia did finish ahead of Auburn. Auburn was ranked ahead of uh, Georgia. Um, and LSU, um, they're still a top 25 team, but they were um, nowhere near um, close to the rankings as some of these other teams and they actually squeezed out um, that spot ahead of Georgia. Um, so that was a bit shocking to me, but overall not really surprised that uh, Florida really did well as, well as well as Tennessee and those other schools. Were there any individual swimmers who really impressed at SEC championships? Yeah, um, like I said, Zoe Hartman, um, she's going to do her thing. She had four medals, including a gold. Um, Rachel Steege had a gold medal in the 500 free 
Um, and then Hartman actually teamed up with Sloan Reinstein, Dune Koitsi, and Jillian Barczyk, um in the 800 freestyle relay that got an eight-cut time and a bronze medal at SECs. So all those swimmers did really well. On the men's side, uh, Bradley Dunham, who's uh, kind of come out of nowhere, he had a really good meet against Emory on senior night um, and took gold in the 200 backstroke as well as a bronze medal on the men's 400 freestyle relay. Um, so he's certainly going out strong as a senior. Jake McGahee got two silver medals in the 500 free and the 1650 free. Ian Grum got a bronze in the 400 IM. And I would have liked to see uh, Luca Orlando at SECs because he certainly would have gotten a bunch of medals as well. But um, he did have a season-ending injury in November. So unfortunately, we didn't get to see him there. With only a few meets left on the swim and dive schedule, what events are circled in big red marker for the swim team? Uh, well, I have them all listed right here. Uh, February 25th and 26th which um, is next weekend or this upcoming weekend. There's the last chance meet at Gabrielson Auditorium. Um, it is very hectic there. There's a lot going on all at one time, but it is the last chance to qualify for NCAAs for anyone who may be on the fence. Um, and then March 5th through 8th, um, the following weekend, um, there's the diving championships um, and then March 9th through the 11th is the cha NCAA Championship Invitational out in Indiana. Um, and then they have a few days off. And then March 15th through 18th is NCAA Championships on the women's side. And then March 22nd through the 25th is NCAA Championships on the men's side. And that'll wrap up the season um, after that's over. Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Uh, thank you again for having me. Have a nice day, guys. Now, we'll be joined by Bo Underwood to hear about all the action coming from the women's basketball beat. Welcome to the show, Bo. Thank you for having me, John. So the women's team just pulled off another win. They smashed Arkansas 71-48. to Ahie Warren returned to the lineup. Javin Nicholson put up 22 points. You've talked a lot about how their defense is really dominant this season, but what has their offense been doing well in recent weeks? I think the main thing is how effective they've been from mid-range lately. You mentioned Javin Nicholson. She's been money from mid-range all year, and last game was definitely her best game off the bench too. They were also really good around the rim in this one. 38 of their 71 points came in the paint. So it's really impressive to see what this team has been able to do when they've looked this efficient on offense despite barely shooting any threes. They've been really good inside the three-point line lately. The team has rattled off four wins in a row. They've only lost one game in all of February. So with only two games left in the regular season, how high is the confidence level around this team? Well, you've got to be feeling pretty good about yourselves. The one question mark was the Kentucky game. That was a really ugly win. Georgia shot pretty poorly in that one. Um but they answered a lot of my questions about that game and their offense in the Arkansas game. It was a complete it, it was a 180. They look like they figured out exactly what kind of team they are on both ends and they're peaking at the right time it looks like. So, there's a lot of reason to look forward to seeing what this team does after the end of the regular season. Now the team is going to face a really tough South Carolina team for the second time this year. 
last game, it was a seven-point matchup heading into the fourth quarter. What does Georgia need to do to close that seven-point gap in the fourth quarter to win this next game? South Carolina is just so tough to compete with just because of the depth factor alone. There's not a team in this country that has more depth 1 through 10 than South Carolina does, and that just makes it so hard to compete with them for a 40-minute basketball game. Like you said, uh, I mean, we saw that pretty clearly the last time that they played Georgia. Georgia kept it respectable for most of the game, but they just couldn't keep it up anymore in the fourth, which that's happened to plenty of teams this year when they play South Carolina. So to compete with them for a whole game, Georgia's pretty much just going to have to play perfectly the whole game without ever letting up. It's that simple. If they can play aggressive defense the whole game without getting into too much foul trouble, like what happened with LSU, and still manage to be efficient on the other end, then that's how you go the distance with a team that's as good as South Carolina. You mentioned that depth factor. South Carolina is number one for a really good reason. Who should worry Georgia the most on South Carolina's roster? I mean, they're loaded, man. Um, I'm going to say... Zaya Cook dropped 31 points on their heads the last time they played, so she should probably be at the top of that list. She's their leading scorer. She's been a really good threat from the perimeter all year. And I also want to mention Aaliyah Boston. She's a really good paint scorer. She's a really good rebounder, so she'll definitely be demanding a lot of attention inside as well. All right, Bo, I'm going to put you in a tough situation. I'm going to ask you the hard question. Can Georgia pull off the upset? Can they beat South Carolina? Look, man, they are undefeated. It's it's not impossible if Georgia plays its absolute best game of the year on both ends, but beating this team in Columbia in the last game before the tournament is just such a tough task for any team. And so for that reason, I feel like I have to say, uh, no, don't count on it. But we'll see. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Bo. Thank you for having me, John. Finally, we'll be joined by men's basketball reporter Samuel Hicks to discuss the recent developments on the men's basketball beat. Welcome to the show, Sam. It's a pleasure to be here, John. There's no way to put this lightly. Georgia got absolutely thrashed by Alabama. A 49-point loss. The worst Georgia loss by the men's basketball team since the 1950s. Were there any positive takeaways whatsoever from that game? John, so much went wrong for Georgia in that game. They could not get anything done offensively. They could not get anything done on the defensive side of the game. I swear the game opened up with five straight threes from the Alabama Crimson Tide. It was just awful to watch. I mean, they let up 108 points. And I, I understand Alabama is the number one team in the nation, but Georgia could do absolutely nothing to stop them whatsoever. If we were to like bring out any positives at all, we can we can talk about Justin Hill's 17 points. Like, yeah, it was a pretty good performance. Um, but it, at least the loss wasn't as bad as what Vanderbilt faced earlier after the Crimson Tide loss to Oklahoma, where Vanderbilt got beat by 57. So I guess if we're looking for any positives, that's one. Again, on the negative side, though, Terry Roberts had another game where he wasn't quite himself on the offensive end. Is that becoming a cause for concern? I mean, not for me, necessarily. I completely understand when a valuable source of your offensive production is not playing well. You want to point the finger at them whenever they're not putting up enough points. But 
let's look at the team itself. The team shot, I believe, under 40% from the field, under 30% from three. This team needs to find a way to do something offensively, even if Terry Roberts is not doing his best. I mean, if we really want to just like pull through everybody's performances, Jabri Abdurrahim did not make a single basket off of six shots. Kerry Oquendo, the Bulldogs' leading scorer from last season, only finished with nine. I don't think we should completely rely on Terry Roberts to be the offensive focal point for this team, um, but I just think a lot of other people need to step up. Their next opportunity to step up will be when Missouri comes to the stag. The Tigers have a bunch of top 25 wins this season, including a recent one against Tennessee. How are they winning those games? Well, we're, we're talking about Missouri here. Um, as far as SEC rankings go, right underneath Alabama in points per game is Missouri at 80.3. Uh, look at where they rank and other things offensively. They're second in field goal percentage. They're first in field goals made. They're second in three-point made. They're second in three-point percentage. This team is very, very good offensively. And, you know, I mentioned it last week when we were talking about what can Georgia do to go into Tuscaloosa and come away with the victory. They're going to need to play some sort of defense because we've seen it consistently that this offense has been either playing very well or just pretty bad. So they're going to need to play some really good defense if they want to come away with a victory. And I think the another added advantage is they are going to be playing in Stegman. I think having the home crowd there is going to be very beneficial to what they do. Um, but again, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to win this game if they cannot put up points or at least slow down Missouri in some sort of way. So speaking about that defensive performance, who needs to step up on that side of the ball and lock down for Georgia? I mean, it's just kind of all over the place, I would say. Um, I Personally, what I've noticed from this team throughout the season is just a struggle with rebounding a struggle in the interior defense but they've always played very solid you know behind the arc but Alabama absolutely exposed them I can't even remember how many threes they had to open up the game um, earlier in the season Jason Holt was a guy that was playing pretty solid defense MA was another dude that was p playing very solid defense so maybe seeing those guys step up a little bit um, could do something for this team defensively so both of Georgia's men's and women's basketball teams are in kind of a similar position at the moment. The conference tournament is approaching. Only a few more regular season games remaining. They need to build momentum. Can Georgia pull out the win against Missouri, building that momentum with the tournament approaching? Can they pull out these wins? Yes. This is a team that is capable of competing against anybody in the SEC. I've heard it many times throughout media availabilities where they think that they can beat anybody in the SEC if they just play the game right. I just really have my doubts with will they win these games. They struggle defensively. They struggle offensively. They've pulled out as many different starting five lineups, and I just feel like they're still figuring things out so far in SEC play. I could be completely wrong, but Missouri's going to be a huge test. Florida's going to be a huge test. And then they end the season with South Carolina on the road, a team that took them to overtime. I'm hoping that they can pull out these victories and have a nice little winning streak going into the SEC tournament. We just got to see if they can get things done both offensively and defensively consistently. Um, but I personally don't see them winning this game against Missouri. I said the same thing about Kentucky, um, so maybe they can prove me wrong again. Uh, but I just don't see it happening. Not the most glowing review of the men's basketball team. But regardless, thanks for coming on the show, Sam. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones 
a Georgia Sports Podcast. I'm John James. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com slash sports. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.